Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the response on uh, recent podcasts. And we're just going to keep it going. And with the momentum we have, talking about all kinds of different issues from uh, religion to false teachings in the church to world religions to politics to globalism to Satanism to the occult to entertainment and social media and Hollywood. And that's what we're going to talk about Today with Pastor Joe Schimmel, I want to welcome our co-host back today, Mary Danielson. Hi, Mary. Hi, good morning. Good morning. And I also want to start off by saying uh, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 8 and 9, it says, For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary and I want to bring in Pastor Joe Schimmel of Good Fight Ministries. He's been the pastor out there in Simi Valley, California, Blessed Hope Chapel, since 1987. I know that was before some of you were born, but he doesn't sound that old. Uh, anyway, his testimony <laughs> of the transforming power of Christ is is just so powerful. And my wife, Rosanna, was actually led to the Lord through Joe Schimmel's series, his expose, They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. And Good Fight Ministries continues to produce amazing videos and DVDs, uh, Marvel and DC's War on God, the Antichrist Agenda. Today we're going to talk about more. They've got a series of seven. They're working on part three. But Pastor Joe, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Man, it's great to be on again with you, David, and praise God for uh, Mary, too, being able to chat with her briefly. You guys are, praise God, we have, you guys, there's shows out there, it's desolate land, Mm -hmm. (laughs) spiritually. Like your guys. Well, Joe, for some of our newer listeners, uh, I want to get a little bit about your background. You know, you're a pastor. What led you down this road to start researching? I think you started with music and, and rock and roll and lyrics and the occult influences and Satan, satanic influences of, of bands in the 60s and 70s. But what led you down this road and then what brought you to, you know, exposing Hollywood and some of the demonic influences there? Yeah, that's a great question because it's it defines a lot of what I do now. Because prior to becoming a Christian, I was on the opposite side. I was in darkness, on the opposite pole, and I, you know, rejected Christ. I was young, you know, six, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year old, and that's when that's the years when you get rebellious at times, especially if you don't know the Lord. And and but it's interesting because I was aware of the claims of Christianity to a degree, having gone to like Catholic church when I was really young and. And then our, my parents stopped bringing me uh, in, in our early, you know, teen years or so. And for me, that was great because I didn't understand it all. I thought the whole, you know, I just rejected God out of hand because I associated it with Catholicism, all the ritual, all the, you know, you know theater and, and just the, the devil with the spandex suit on and the, the tail that you get from Hollywood. And so I rejected that and I wanted to be my own God, like a lot of teenagers do, just do your own thing and. And then I, but I struggled with the philosophical question about what is truth at the same time. And so I was constantly engaging, you know, the idea of whether it was a creator or not. And I just rejected more of a slash atheist. But I came to the point, David, where I opened myself up to the occult and mm. dark powers, not believing in them, not believing I was opening myself up to Satan and demonic entities. But I found a couple books on the power of the subconscious mind that were lying around the house. <laughs> And uh, one was called Psycho-Cybernetics, and one was called, uh, uh, just called The Subconscious Mind, one by Maltz and one by Joseph Murphy. And I started reading these books when I was probably around 15, 16. Wow. And they talked about programming your subconscious mind, visualizing your success, self-talk. So I, I basically started doing those things, and right after I started doing those things, I opened myself up to occult powers, having not, not, not knowing that it was my uh, occult powers, thinking it was my subconscious mind. And before I knew it, at that same time, the lady next door, uh, a lady named Mary Senna, she brought over a wizard, like about three feet tall, uh, ceramic that she painted for me. 
and I barely knew her, you know, you know, when you're that age, you, the ladies that get together with your mom, you know, you say hi real quick and then you run out the door, but she had a gift for me. So I had this wizard at the bottom of the bed and I would meditate being like that wizard and having that kind of power hmm. and just visualize my success on guitar, uh, writing lyrics and so forth. And David, as a result of that, I was all of a sudden bombarded by all these occult experiences where I started uh, going through states of paralysis, hearing a humming sound going through my head. Uh, and didn't know what it was. I didn't know these were, were occult phenomena, uh, paralysis, and, and even the humming sound. It's what Buddhist monks, when they're going, om, they're trying to imitate that sound to get in touch with that force. Hmm. Uh, DMT, those who do you know, hallucinogens today, come in touch with what they call this hum. And I had no idea. You know, this is before the Internet, you know, what this was. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm, I broke on through to the other side. Hmm. And at the same time, though, you know, I'm writing lyrics like, you know, uh, that were just so satanic, like treacherous meadows touched by the devil, burdened with calamity and subdued by disease and, you know, all this demonic stuff. And my guitar music changed. I'm all of a sudden, I'm this, you know, Southern California beach boy, man, playing uh, electric, uh, playing sitar sounding Eastern music. My friends were saying, sounds like you're playing like, you know, an electric uh, sitar. So, but my lyrics were Eastern. I was pushing Eastern philosophies and I was being initiated. I actually became a hippie Basically, through my lyrics, I was initiated into that realm of thinking through my own lyrics because I was writing about reincarnation. I was writing about God is in everything, everything God, basically. Uh, one, you know, one lyric was, I feel big, I feel godly. But I didn't mean godly in the sense of becoming holy and, and becoming more like the Lord, but like God. And so all these different lyrics that were perpetuating, going within, like Secret World, a woman who builds colorful worlds in her mind, she's queen who alters time, being your own god or goddess. Mm. Uh, over and over again, these lyrics were just pouring out of me. And at the same time, my covers are being pulled down. I moved, I totally moved sideways in my bed, like, I'm about to levitate off, but just barely, you know, suspended almost off, but still on the sheets, shift. And when that happened one time, I just, I came up my eyes, I still had fear. I woke up like three or four in the morning, and I'm sideways in my waterbed. And, and I mean, that I realized, man, I'm in touch, but my subconscious is like hostile, too. Mm. Until uh, the gig was up when all of a sudden uh, one of my experiences took place. I wasn't paralyzed. I started to roll off the bed, and a very clear voice communicated with me saying, hold on, hold on. It wasn't spooky. It was just, hold on, hold on, calm. And I was like the patient. I'm like, uh-oh, okay, I'm not in touch with my subconscious mind. I'm in touch with some kind of disembodied spirits. And my lyrics, which were so demonic, and a lot of them were pro-Satan, I thought was just, you know, uh, my subconscious giving me lyrics that would be popular for the 80s, because this was like 1979, 1980. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, the whole heavy metal era broke out in the 80s with all the satanic music. But prior to that time, I'm thinking my subconscious is just giving me these satanic lyrics for fun. And then I realized, uh-oh, I'm in touch with entities that are way smarter than I am, Hmm. that are giving me these things, and this is the Bible I rejected has this worldview. <laughs> so wow. I started really, I mean, my first song, uh, uh, David Mary, is, was called uh, My Family, My Soul. And when I was falling forever deeper into the hole, I couldn't be free. The devil was grasping my soul. I could hear my mother screaming, and my sister's dreaming, and my father dying, and my brother crying. And at first I was troubled at the reason, but the choice had dawned to be my soul or that of my family's to be treason. I couldn't win to be a devil or a demon. The song ends with, you know, there I lie at the final bottom to say goodbye. So I won, or maybe so. And so I left with my soul and began to rock and roll. And that's where my lead guitar came in. And I leave my family in hell to sell their souls for my rock career, which is just the most wicked, deplorable thing you could write. Wow. But it was something I wouldn't actually do because I believed it was a, a myth, a joke. And it was just how much I love music. Of course, I love my family. I wouldn't do that. I'd say if someone asked me, you know, hey, how could you write that? But guess what? I was basically... You know, I'd open myself up to these satanic forces which were very real, and I realized, uh-oh, this is, I've been the fool, man, mm. I've been, this looks like Satan's real. Next, next time, close it down with this, is I'm going through a mystical state, state of paralysis, the humming sound is there, uh, and I cry out to God in my heart, and it was probably one of the weakest prayers ever prayed, <laughs> you know, I just prayed like, you know, only a goodness, you know, only if this is good, you know, mm -hmm. boom, it stopped. And I know the Bible said, test the spirits to see whether they're from God. But I just knew in my heart. And then it stopped. And about a week or two later, I was like, what in the world? Same thing happened. I cried out more directly on, on the Lord to the Lord. God saved me if this, and it stopped right as I began to pray again. 
that's when I got on my knees and I said, Lord God, have mercy on me. Open the word of God. <laughs> Realize who Jesus was, what he did for me. Uh, he's Lord, he, prophecy, it's, it's spiritual warfare. Came to Christ, took all my wallpaper down, which was all my Zeppelin posters and my lone Jimi Hendrix poster. <laughs> started looking at into them. I'd start seeing Jimi Hendrix would talk about his about how he was possessed by these spirits. The music came through him. And he'd go through this state of paralysis where this weird sound would happen. The most popular band at the time that was Zeppelin, and boom, I find out that uh, you know, Stairway to Heaven, most popular song of all time. If your head is humming, which is what was happening when I was in that state of paralysis, it won't go in case you don't know. The Piper's calling you to join him, mm. you know? So I started seeing all these experiences that a lot of these guys had, and I started realizing, wow, you know what? These guys have a, an occult phenomenon, yeah. occult mm-hmm. experiences, an occult worldview. And the more I looked into him, I'd see, wow, Jimmy Page is into Satanist Alester Crowley. Wow, John Lennon quoted Crowley, Do What Thou Wilt, who's the most highly regarded Satanist in the last 150, 100 and some years. I started realizing, wow, you know what? These, a lot of these guys are Satanists, so I couldn't just tell people my experience. So I began to look into the bands and so forth, and so I realized over and over again. Even even a, a, a guy I missed, on, they sold their souls for rock and roll, the video you mentioned with re, regard to Rosanna coming to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, a band, one band I didn't cover was, uh, man, I didn't, I didn't cover, uh, I'm thinking of, I'm drawing a blank right here, uh, uh, Walk This Way. Oh, Aerosmith. <laughs> Clue, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. And Steven Tyler. I thought, you know what, I didn't, I didn't really research them much, but I thought they're one of the bigger bands, one of the few big bands I left out. Well, guess what happened just a few years back, bro? Uh, he writes, a, uh, there was an autobiography by, uh, by Steven Tyler, and he's like, hey, you know how I got big? I mean, he says this, bro. He says, I practiced uh, Crowley's sex magic, and in the midst of being in a relationship with a gal, our band wasn't doing so good, I was going downhill. And he did, and he said, then we said a prayer in the midst of that experience when, you know, the climax or whatever, and we cried out, you know, and the rest is history. Then there was Aerosmith. Wow. I mean, you can't make it up. Like yeah, we were can. talking about that earlier. I mean, I was talking to Mary and you earlier, and, and she said, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Well, yeah. the same thing I found out was happening in comics. <laughs> I wasn't into comics at all, but man, I saw the superhero movies, David, and yep. I was like, you know what? I, I I saw some of them with my kids. I thought these seemed kind of innocuous, innocent. Early on, when Spider first Spider Man came out, and then I had to distance myself from. Them. I told my wife and kids, I go, you know what? They're starting to use too much adult humor, and I'm noticing that the the, the uh, villains often seem to represent Christ. And I just kind of backed off of it, seeing where it was going. Didn't do much on it. Then I saw a, an Iron Man trailer. Actually, you know, Avengers, Invincible, or Inv- Avengers. And then there was Avengers Endgame, and the two Avenger movies, which I think I don't know they're about a year and a half, two, two years apart. Both times in the trailer, our, uh, the villain Thanos says he comes; he's coming from the heavens. He all the worlds gathered together, this kind of Armageddon type scenario, and he announces himself as the I Am, with a pregnant pause, and you know you have like Invincible. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? This is a joke. This is bad. I go, so it's like the same spirits that are working the music. Then I just prayed. I put my hands up in the air. I said, Lord God, if you want me to expose this, like you've had me expose, you know, the music and Hollywood, other things, I go, just burn it on my heart because I'm so busy, Lord, you know, with full-time pastoring and, 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 and good fight ministries, but your will be done. The next morning I woke up and it was just burning on my heart and I started to do the research and it didn't take but a couple of days before I realized, wow, man, these top writers, the, the movies, they have a strong satanic, you know, Crowleyan influence with many of the writers being to Crowley and so forth. But I should have said this part, then I'll take a breath. <laughs> uh, 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 is when I came to Christ, praise God, what Satan meant for evil, God used for good. Like I mentioned, that song called My Family or My Soul. First people I started sharing with were my, were my family and my friends. And praise God, by the grace of God, one by one, in the next few years, my dad was a holdout for some time, but Praise God, he came to Christ before he died when in, his, in his 90s. But uh, every one of my family members came to Christ, all seven of us. And then my closest friends that I hung out with, all you know, my three or four closest friends, I should say three, uh, Mike, Steve, and, and a guy named Dave, all came to Christ. And Dave just went to be with the Lord a few years back. But hardcore, I mean, all my, you know, my whole family, they served with us in ministry. You know, they've mm-hmm. all been part of Blessed Oak Chapel and, and now some of them moved to Idaho, where there's a Blessed Hope Chapel we established there that they're all part of. So I'm just saying, praise God. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. the enemy means for evil. You know, God mm-hmm. means for good. 
if we if we turn to him and, and allow him to work in our lives. Well, so praise who, God for the grace of Christ. Who better to expose these things than you? And God uses our past, even though we think it's, you know, um, just the worst possible thing. Uh, and it was at the time we were lost. We didn't know any better. But And God will use someone like you to do this very thing, the same with someone who was in the New Age. Who better to expose it. What's interesting to me is the beginnings of comic books. Uh, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, and Captain America, they were all created in the 30s, late 30s and 40s by Jews. And here's the interesting part about them. Um, these early ones feature the Nazis and Hitler as the enemy. When Captain America appears in the comics, he's punching Hitler in the face. Huh. Um, um, and so they were intended, actually, as propaganda to send a message to the West regarding what was going on in Germany. They felt that the United States was uh, clueless or didn't care or was uh, willfully silent on a lot of these things, but it was to encourage the U.S. to get involved in World War II. Um, one of the early comics had um, uh, depicting people walking to, you know, uh, gas chambers or walking to their death. And, I mean, there was a lot of propaganda wow. involved. Were you aware of that background? Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, the first, you know, uh, when you first see that who became Superman, a uh, couple uh, it was made by a couple of Jewish men. He was first an insane kind of you know the guy who made Superman. He, we have a, the history of Batman and Superman in, in our first video, and he's actually made this to be this wicked guy at first, and then later on he's associated with the S on his front, and and he's Superman. He's you know becomes a good guy, and a lot of people associated him with the Aryans. You know, obviously that wasn't the intent of the Jewish guys who, who made him up. Mm -hmm. But yeah, actually, even, even Stan Lee, he actually was in the you know, army and so forth, and he did some propaganda, who's kind of the face of, of comics, right, for, for Marvel before he died. He, he did a bunch of comics that were, he got paid, and he actually drove around a really nice, I think it was a Rolls Royce, <laughs> that the government uh, afforded him because he was doing propaganda for America against the, against the Nazis. Huh. So a lot of it started off where, well, then it actually, as you know, Mary, went in a totally different direction. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, you mentioned there were some non-Jews that had made some, like William Mars, uh, William Moulton Marston. He is the creator of Wonder Woman. And uh, when he created Wonder Woman in the 30s, uh, you know, that was the first because he figured, hey, the women need a, a superhero. Hmm. But there was a lot of subterfuge going on then as well because uh, William, William Marston... Uh, when he created Wonder Woman, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but there's a book called The Secret History of Wonder Woman, written by a woman who writes for The New Yorker, and she's a liberal, and she thinks it's great, but she points out, because she was given access to William Marston's archives, the family wouldn't allow anybody else into his archives, uh, but they felt that okay, she's going to be friendly toward us, and she was, but then she brought out that William Marston, you know, he was in a polyramous relationship. When you're talking about the 30s now, he died in the 40s of cancer, and he was into sex magic. He'd get together with a guy that wrote the, the, the Aquarian Gospel who had and with his aunt and bring his wives over. He had two wives and lived with another, or three gals, some, usually two living with him, but three. And one of them was, and they would do Crowley's sex magic, and he kept minutes. They kept, uh, let's just say they kept the minutes of, those meetings, one of the gals there, and I, I say this because the, he was in this relationship with, with these three women, they were in all kinds of new age, uh, long before the hippie movement, they were like hippies, and uh, guess what, the niece of Margaret Sanger was one of his, in the, what, the main one in the polyamorous relationship that wasn't his wife, Wow! And, and he literally, I'm not kidding, it comes out that and we've done, we're almost done with this video too, by the way. Uh, whole video on her or him and what she's done. He, he did. He admitted that he made her in the image of Margaret Sanger, Wonder Woman. Wow! Okay. No kidding, oh, man. man. That's fascinating. It is. I know it goes so deep, guys. And, yeah, and we've so got we end up we've got to take our first break, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Okay. Um, Good Fight Ministries, uh, guys. You've got to check out some of the DVDs and and YouTube videos and so much information that they do in this their series, Marvel and DC's War on God. We'll talk uh, a little bit more about that going back nearly 100 years to the 1930s. We're going back to the origins and so much more coming up as we expose the satanic origins behind entertainment and what Hollywood puts out. They don't call it programming for nothing. More coming up next. 
your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Joe Schimmel is our guest today. You've got to check out Good Fight Ministries. They've got a great YouTube channel. You can go to the website, goodfight.org. And the series we're talking about, as we talk about a lot of history when it comes to entertainment and the demonic influences, we're talking about a 100 years of history here. Uh, Marvel and DC's War on God, the Antichrist Agenda, uh, part two, Doctor Strange, Alistair Crowley, and the multiverse of Satanism. And part three is coming soon, and we're talking about the writers, and Joe has done a lot of research on the comic book writers. But Joe, I want to go back to the 1930s, because that's where we kind of left people hanging. I do want to mention, uh, 39, I think, was when the innocent movie, The Wizard of Oz, came out. And I want to get your take on that, but before that, let's wrap up these thoughts about what you just exposed before the break. And Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood, um, and she was a racist, eugenicist, and here we are talking about her niece now involved in other stuff. So t- tell us a little bit more about that, and we'll move on. Yeah, so she, he was actually, she was actually one of his students at the university. Uh, that is Marston. He was a psychologist, you know, taught psychotherapy and all that stuff. In a psychiatry, and then she became. She was one of his students, and then uh, he 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 ended up bringing her into a relationship where he was already married with another gal, and then there was a third person that ended up being in that polyamorous relationship. He'd come and go, and like I said, they'd go to these sex magic uh, with his aunt that held with the Aquarian gospel and so forth. But I'll give you an example of how much he was promoting her work, and uh, he he was doing the comics, and then they wanted to do the you know the comics also the shorter comics for. Uh, the syndicated newspapers, and he said, I don't have enough time to do that because I'm working on the comic all the time. So he brought a woman in and interviewed her, and and she said, yeah, when he uh, brought me in to do the the columns for the newspapers, he gave me a bunch of books by Margaret Sanger and said, this is who Wonder Woman is, you know? And by the way, it's not even up for grabs as to whether this is controversial. It wasn't a secret. Uh, It was a secret until recently, but now it's just a known thing. And but it's not widely known because a lot of people, a lot of Christians would turn over, you know, just their hearts would just break, you know. Mm. So uh, he was pushing her, and, and and just real quickly, I'll just say this, uh, you know, you look at we show her her, her the things that she would say, uh, they're connected lesbo that you know the <laughs> the poet and so forth and lesbianism, her statement, uh, the, the the girls would constantly spank each other, you know. Mm. Uh, they would tie each other up in bondage because he was in a sexual bondage in their sex magic. So he, they were bringing all this in the comics. And a lot of people, not knowing the connections that he had with Sanger and sex magic and so forth, there were people that were not were saying there's something wrong with these comics because there's this bondage and they felt there was something perverse going on. And lo and behold, they were correct. And so from the get-go, there's been a perversion going on in, in the comics and so forth. And and uh, you had mentioned... Uh, so I'll just, I'll, we'll leave it there because there's so much we need to cover, right? <laughs> yes, we need to move on. Um, so we're talking about the 1930s, and now we're talking a little bit about that background in comics. But uh, briefly, uh, movies, uh, The Wizard of Oz, there were some things that we just don't look at as witchcraft, as innocent, good witch, bad witch, and just subtle, subtle influences in that movie. If, we, if you want to touch on that, Joe, and then we'll just uh, continue. Yeah, the Wizard of Oz. I think it's interesting you brought that up uh, because uh, briefly, uh, that was remember Oprah Winfrey, who's very you know pretended to be a Christian for years, but would say there's Jesus is just one way of many and doesn't believe that he actually paid for the sins of the world. He's the only way to salvation. She would often say her philosophy be summed up in the Good Witch, the Wizard of Oz. Hmm. And the whole thing about the Wizard of Oz is this Emerald City, God's heaven is there's an emerald rainbow around his throne and. And the yellow brick road, the, the heaven is, you know, the 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 very uh, asphalt is made of gold, you know. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. It's like, to me, that's like a picture of heaven. And the wizard's a picture of God that he's really a phony. You know, there's really, you know, really the truth is within because the good witch, supposedly the good witch, right? The Bible says there's no such thing as good witches. Uh, the truth says the scarecrow is within, you know, or that's where it's at, you know, basically. And that basically... Sh- she would quote Oprah Winfrey, the, the the good witch, and saying you need to go within. Well, when I saw that, I was like, and by the way, she said she got her success through coming in touch with the universal hum. Interesting. So going within, uh, 
is, you know, that's where, you know, I opened myself up to occult powers. So that's interesting. I started looking at the Wizard of Oz. And I know this question was coming up, but the guy, Bond, who, Bond who wrote it, uh, Wizard of Oz, he was a member of the Theosophical Society. And he says, if people could just look it up, when he wrote, uh, now he wrote, it became a play before it became a movie, but when he wrote the story of the Wizard of Oz, he said that he wrote automatically. I think he was over sitting in a river or some lake, and he said it just came automatically to him. And then the Theosophical Society, they're all about automatic writing. And as you know, uh, David and, and Mary, I'm sure you know as well, uh, the founder of the Theosophical Society, uh, you know, uh, basically Madame Blavatsky, Helena Blavatsky, Blavatsky uh, a Russian mystic, uh, she was all, she said that Satan is our redeemer, you know. Uh, she called, she, she spoke strongly against Christianity and, and, and Judaism and so forth and talked about contacting with demonic forces. And hmm. he was a member of the Theosophical Society. And the Wizard of Oz was actually a parable talking about going within in a very subtle way very early on, this promoting this whole occult mentality. Mm. Wow. That was, that was L. Frank uh, L. Frank Baum, Baum, by the yeah. way. Yeah. D-A-U-M. Yep. Uh, it's interesting that, you know, the Marvel Universe, you know, getting to that a little bit, it's, it's so complicated. Um, it's just completely taken over movies. They pump out uh, movies and TV shows just relentlessly. Um, they seem to have taken over Hollywood. It seems as though those who want to um, write uh, just an action movie or a comedy, they're being squeezed out by Marvel. I mean, the the uh, influence of Marvel um, is, is proved there alone. Um, but you have to actually immerse yourself in these movies to understand the characters and the timeline. They'll say, well, don't watch this one first, watch this one first. And it's just so complicated. Uh, Marvel was bought out by Disney in 2009 for only only four billion dollars, and you know, <laughs> they've made that over in spades. Um, you know what? Why? Why is it just taken over Hollywood? I mean, it's spiritual, is as, as, as what the point is today. But do you have any other ideas on why it's completely taken over the movie industry? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I could be wrong on this, but <laughs> I, I feel like because there's so many young people that were into certain characters. I mean, we're going way back now into the 19, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. So when they started making the movies, I think they were, the movies could, of course, relate to the, the kids could relate to them right away with the, you know, the action and, and, and the characters. But the adults were so into, you know, Spider-Man and Superman. And, and a lot of these movies before, you know, the superhero movies became the number one genre in the world, uh, you know, they had a string of Batman and Superman movies for some time. And then all of a sudden, you had that first Spider-Man from Marvel, mm-hmm. and that became a new era. So I think a lot of the parents, you know, well-meaning, of course, you know, were like, hey, you know, I know I was well-meaning. I said, oh, I, I, I sift through everything. And I'm like, you know, at the first Spider-Man movie, I remember I was a little kid, like Spider-Man, he just, you know, going from building to building, you know, fighting bad guys. I took my kids, and I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, there was a scene in it, and this is the first one that was kicked out, kicked off by, of the Marvel movies anyway. And it broke my heart because I was like, wait a minute, because Aunt May's on her knees cr- praying to God, you know, lead us not in temptation. And then the Green Goblin appears, and all of a sudden, you know, my kids are young. She's all screaming, and it was this epic scene in Hollywood. It's one of the more epic scenes because she's horrified on her knees, and the Green Goblin's like, finish the prayer. And she, he yells it two or three times and mm-hmm. deliver us from, and before you know it, she's just wiped out. She's in the hospital. Mm-hmm waking up from, like, I don't know if it's a coma or whatever, but she barely survives. And the, the idea there is, guess what? You know what? Uh, you can pray and lead us not to temptation, deliver us from evil to God, but he's not the real superhero. You can't really depend on him, can you? You have the hospital. But guess what? You can depend on your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And I started thinking, man, is there, is there a subtle message going on there? <laughs> and I just kind of put that on the side. I thought, hmm, you know? And then I just wondered, and then I saw more and more of that. Then I just... I said, hey, kids, you know, they're getting older, you know, at that point. I'm like, you know, they're going to make their own decisions as they get older. But I tried to just warn them as I did with everything else. And then it became obvious. And then it was like, you know what, there's a say that this, I, I should have been wiser personally, I think, you know, because I exposed so much that there could be. And, and I thought there might be. But then I was like, now, after I prayed and the Lord opened my eyes, I was like, wow, this goes. I mean, I mentioned to you guys before, you know, before the show, we were talking that, uh, you know what? <laughs> uh, the quotes that you see from, you know, the writers. I mean, I thought I had crazy quotes that we show when they sold their souls for rock and roll from a lot of the top rock stars about Crowley and other things. Man, many of the top writers of these movies, uh, 
they're way more bold in acknowledging their alliances with occult powers and demonic entities and Crowley than even a lot of the rock and pop stars were. Stars were. But if you, if we just, since you mentioned Mary Disney, I mean, you guys, I'm sure, are really where you probably even exposed it already was, you know, Disney, uh, the, one of the leading TV animators, you know, producer Latoya Ravenel. She was, uh, she was talking about her not uh, during the Zoom calls because they're doing all the Zoom calls during, you know, COVID because people didn't want to get together. And that it, it was leaked out the Zoom call that she had with other, you know, executives of Disney. And she was bragging about their not so, her not so secret agent, gay agenda, she said. And, yep. mm-hmm. and that she says, I, I was just whatever I could, you know, I was adding queerness and that no one could stop me and yeah. no one was ever trying to stop me and just rejoicing that. Well, Disney came out, it's by FX, but it's owned by Disney, just like you had mentioned, Mary, that, you know, Marvel is owned by Disney. But Aubrey Plaza, she plays the wicked mother of the Antichrist in a show called Demon. Uh, that's a TV show, I'm sorry, called Little Demon. Mm-hmm. And it's all about what? I think she's like 13, 14-year-old girl who plays the Antichrist. And her mother is a Wiccan witch named mm-hmm. Aubrey Plaza who has sex with Satan. And it's centered around this 13, 14-year-old girl who becomes the center of this universe. And she's got all these occult powers. And, and Satan is her dad. And he's played by what, Lovato and popular actor. And, you know, and well, I think he was on Taxi for years, right? And he's playing the Antichrist. And he talks about going and sacrificing babies and stuff. But he's considered cool. And Aubrey Plaza, I looked into her, man, she's a real witch, you know? Yeah. She practices witchcraft, and, and uh, when she was interviewed, I think it was by LA Weekly, the interviewer said after she left the room, she came back, and she left her tape recorder on during the interview with Plaza, and she said that later she played thinking it would just be, you know, she's fast-forwarding through that time when she left the room during the interview, and she went back and she said, I, I was going through that fast-forwarding through the tape, and then I heard some words. And I thought, oh, sh- what did she say when I was gone? And she ha- hears her growling and saying, Satan, Satan, Satan. Oh, my you know? goodness. This is, this is an interview that was published in, I think it was LA, LA Weekly, if I remember right. Wow. But anyway, wow. I'm just going to say this. During a cast interview with uh, Plaza, playing, they were asking how it is playing the you know, mother of the Antichrist. You know, It must be a complicated part because you're, you, you, know, you have to deal with Satan, too. And you know what? She forgets the question. She has to ask, you know, what was the question? Because she's thinking about something else. And here's what she's thinking about. She says, she says, she answers this way. She goes, I love that we are normalizing paganism. Mm. You know? That's and huge. that's what's happening, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, paganism, which is, if you watch the show, which I don't encourage anybody to watch mm-hmm. it, I had to watch a couple episodes mm-hmm. to see what was going on. And it's it's pure Satanism, yeah. you know. I and saw the trailer for it. She means Satanism. Yeah, I saw the trailer for it, and I, I it's a jaw dropper. And actually, um, uh, the the gay characters, Avengers Endgame has a gay character, uh, Lightyear, which I think is Pixar. That was you know that's aimed at young children. They yep. had, they had a gay kiss in there. The Eternals had a gay lead. I mean, when you put Disney and Marvel together, like I was saying earlier during the break, it's it comes from somewhere other than heaven. That's for sure. So um, yeah, a, a, amen. And just real quick, since you mentioned that, just tagging back to Mother uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah. By the way, Wonder Woman in the comics now is you know kissing other gals. Uh, uh, yep. She's also she's officiating as a pastor or a reverend <laughs> or a stand-in doing. Uh, whatever she's, she's officiating at gay weddings as well. Wow. She's women getting married and she's officiant. So. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that, Joe, and I don't want to go down this trail, but I will mention that last week, I think, the um, the uh, United Methodist Church in America ordained a gay bishop, and they've already had female pastors and, and lesbian pastors. I put pastor in quotes when you talk about this uh, apostate denomination, but they did split now. There's another branch. But, you know, so you see it happening in churches now. But I want to go back to something very interesting to me is in the 19, late 60s, early 70s, they started normalizing homosexuality on primetime television or just on television. I think Billy Crystal was one of the first gay characters on a program called Soap. And then every gay character introduced was either likable or they were a victim or you felt sorry for them or they were funny and they were almost never the villain. And you saw this now to the point where here we are in 2022, almost every program and many television commercials are gays, lesbians, transgenders, people kissing, same sex, all this. Is there any parallel to the demonic influences as far as the occult influences on in comics 
or movies, any parallels to where they started putting it in there subtly, softening it and normalizing it, and then now it's exploded today? Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a great, great question, and uh, it's good insight. I'm glad you're sharing that with us, uh, because there has been this, this slow movement, beginning with soap. Now, I remember when I was a little kid, there was controversy over that, because I, the, uh, the gay character was ventriloquist, and yeah. of course, that's when homosexuality was coming out of the closet, barely, mm. and now it's crazy, because he said none of them were villains for the most part, and, and well, guess what? Today, uh, they're paraded, not yeah. only in downtown but they're created as you're saying in the media and they're also but who's going in the closets or who's depicted as the villains it's always the christian pastor or the you yeah. know the christian mm-hmm. is the idiot and it's like you know good be called good or evil and evil be called good but the parallels are kind of interesting since you mentioned that is you have a lot of uh top writers like grant morrison and others uh grant in, in the in the in the comic industry as far as comic movies Chicago Tribune has four of the top ten genres of all time now money-making are based on superheroes. Number one is the Avengers uh, deal. And if we look at the top, uh, top writers, uh, you can see what they're writing and who they're into. Uh, and, and you can see this, this sexual uh, you know, perversion being promoted uh, through them. But in uh, comic book review, they vote every four years. And we're in the last year of the fourth year of the top hundred uh, comic writers. And the top three are a guy by the name of Alan Moore, number one. Number two is Grant Morrison. And number three is uh, Stan Lee. And mm-hmm. we, we cover uh, the top ten and then a few others in our upcoming video. Part three. And it's just interesting that you have, yeah, which will be part three. Um, this will be hopefully the third one. If it comes out this year, it'll be the third one this year. Uh, it might be the beginning of this coming year. But it's just very interesting because, uh, you know, if you type in Grant Morrison, the number number two guy uh, of all time now, is he, you know, you type in him and the word transvestite, not that you want to do that, but you'll <laughs> see that he dresses like a woman at times, you know, mm-hmm. wow. uh, and that he characters are, yeah, no kidding. I mean, uh, if you look at, and this is really, really sad, but if you look, and by the way, both, all three of these guys were influenced by Aleister Crowley. Okay, um, coming up, we've got a whole lot more to talk about Marvel and DC's War on God with Pastor Joe Schimmel. Blessed Hope Chapel, Simi Valley, California, and goodfight.org. A lot more next. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Pastor Joe Schimmel's our guest. We were talking off air about Super Bowl halftime shows and the movie Avatar and all this stuff. We should probably do another podcast. But, Joe, we've got 15 minutes left. Let's wrap up uh, You know what we were just talking about. Then we'll uh, go on, and I'll, I want to have Mary uh, chime in something here. Yeah, I'll just mention this as far as, I mean, this is just how bad it goes. So we're talking about, you know, I think it was uh, it was Time Magazine put Alan Moore, who's a comic book writer, right, as, an, as one of the top writers of all time in the English language. And here's a guy who said he got big and, or, you know, he honed his craft by getting into, uh, you know, and we'll get talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit later, by doing the magical Satanist, Celeste Crowley. What do you know, you know? But anyway, I mentioned him uh, because he's not only the, the top writer, for years now, but he did a series called Lost Girls. It lasted 17 years, right? And it's a graphic novel that, that you know, imagines, you know, I mean, you're, you're putting, uh, and this is just, I'm just going to speak the truth. I mean, yep. he takes prepubescent girls and he puts them in relationships with men, mm. uh, pedophilia. And what he does, he takes Wendy from Peter Pan and Alice from Alice in Wonderland when they're young, uh, Dorothy from Wizard of Oz, and he has them having sexual encounters. Well, he's being interviewed on the BBC, uh, and uh, I think it was Hard Hard, uh, hard Talk, their program, and the, the, the host says, hey, you know, a lot of people are having a problem, I'm paraphrasing him, because it looks like what you're putting out is child pornography. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and in the interview, he says, you're showing incestuous relationships, you know, one gal is as young as 14 years old, and so forth, and, and Alan Moore, he doesn't, he says, he goes, yes, it is pornography, you know, and but he says, but you know, he goes, he I quote him here. He says we we wanted to do a, a piece of pornography that was pornography. So you have the top comic writer putting out child pornography, and he gets away with it because he's using Wendy, Alice, and Dorothy 
who are, uh, you know, are not real people. So he's allowed to get away with it. But he's promoting this. And uh, I mean, it doesn't get more perverse than that. Mm. You're talking about child molestation. You're talking about and it's just it's just absolutely heartbreaking. Well, Pastor Joe, we've uh, some of us have warned for years. Uh, it's not even a slippery slope anymore. This is mm-hmm. where we're going. And what 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 is the next step? Have you got the the lesbian movement, the feminist movement, the homosexual movement, the gay agenda? You've got transgenderism now, and pedophilia is the I mean, this is the bottom of the barrel. But um, right. and, and tragically, right. tragically, children are the target. Amen. Absolutely, one hundred percent. In fact, that's the end game. In fact, Crowley was you know he said, let me you know. He said, let me make sodomy acceptable. Let me bring it. He wanted to bring it out of the closet. And he, uh, and, you know, it gets, it's really sad, but we're talking about, he's basically, you know, the one that so many of these rock stars and pop stars and rap stars do what thou wilt in the front of Jay-Z's, we show Hoodie, the top rapper of all time, of course, the one who made the most money, mm-hmm. married to, you know, of course, uh, Beyonce. Uh, and then you have him, and I'm saying when you look at his alignment with, the popular movies like, you know, the, 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 the writers and so forth. And then you realize, he said, let me seduce the boys of England. And uh, we did a whole thing called the Kinsey Syndrome. Yep. Which I think you've seen that as well, bro. Yep. And that we document that he was that, you know, the co-founder of the Church of Satan with uh, Anton LaVey. We're talking about uh, the co-founder of the, the Church of Satan, Kenneth Anger, with Alfred Kinsey. We show a picture of them going into... Crowley's Abbey of Philema, because he's kicked out of England as the wickedest man of the world, starts a sex magic uh, temple in Italy, which he gets kicked out then by Mussolini. And they go there because Alfred Kinsey wants to procure one of his sex diaries because he had uh, brought on different pedophiles uh, to work with so he could keep records of how kids react when yep. they're molested and so forth. And we document all that in Kinsey Syndrome. In fact, Ted Bear of Movie Guide said that that's one of the most important movies of the, of the uh, documentary movies of the uh, 21st century, if someone wants to check that out. I mean, yeah, you, it's gut-wrenching when you watch what we're exposing there, but we show him with a picture of Kenneth Anger, co-founder of Church of Satan, under a staged picture of Lester Crowley, because that's which his mm-hmm. temple. And in that, we show the documentation from Water, uh, Pomeroy, who was his grad student that he had sex with, Kinsey, who was one of his uh, gay relationships. Pomeroy, who was, became also his main guy academically, says, yeah, they uncovered Crowley's pictures of uh, of orgies that included a bunch of young children. You know, it just breaks your heart. So this is where it's headed. And yes. We want our kids, you know. Yeah. Joe, um, let's go. I mean, we don't have to go back to the 40s, 50s, but Alfred Kinsey was recently awarded. Uh, he's dead now, but there was a bronze statue put up in his honor at Indiana University celebrating the 75th anniversary of the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. We're talking about child the the theory of childhood sexuality that was based on his unmonitored, unscientific research and studies. They used, uh, you know, you know, pedophiles and just unbelievable what they did. But that paved the way for today's sex ed in public schools. Can you right. talk briefly about that? And I mean, briefly, we've got ten minutes left. And then, yeah, uh, no doubt. I mean, it changed the penal codes for law. You know, it changed the entertainment. Uh, the first uh, first Playboy that was put out uh, by Hef, uh, or I should say, the first uh, Hef, Hefner's first issue, uh, he put out. Uh, he did a whole thing with on Kinsey and how basically Kinsey, Kinsey makes his stuff acceptable. Uh, and like you said, it influenced you know also it's it's, it's influenced academia. It's influenced the penal code. It's influenced you know uh, entertainment. And he did that whole thing you know pro, you know number you know Project Ten and what have you that ten percent of people were gay. Whereas he was interviewing uh, criminals and prostitutes to come up with his skewed numbers. At that time, it was between 1% and 2% of people that were actually identifying as being homosexual. And he keeps telling people it's 10%. Oh, oh it must be acceptable. It must be normal. And now it becomes an infectious thing because it's promoted and becomes vogue because of what's social media and everything. And tragically, the, the rest is history. Mm. Wow. I mean, Jesus said in the last days it'd be like the days of Lot, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Absolutely. You're not kidding. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, here we I mean, are, second, I th- second coming of Sodom and Gomorrah. We're definitely proving that the culture is uh, circling the drain. Um, 
And I want to talk just real briefly about Hinduism in the movies. You know, we already have yoga, and Christians are saying, well, it's just another way to stretch. Well, then just stretch. Don't do yoga because it's <laughs> Hinduism. But Avatar, um, Avatar grossed $2.7 billion. Um, it's the highest grossing movie of all time. And, of course, Marvel has made unholy amounts of money as well. But... Um, there's a sequel coming out in December to Avatar. I thought it was a horrible, horrible movie. But what people need to know is Avatar is a Sanskrit word, and it means a dissent. Uh, in general, it can refer to uh, a revolutionary person or event who appears on the scene. It has been used to refer to the appearance of a deity on Earth. It could be in human form. It could be an apparition. It could be an animal. Uh, so as a descent of the divine into some other form. You know, Satan disguises himself. We know that. He transforms himself. Uh, but Avatar uh, primarily refers to the descendants of Vishnu, you know, one of the main Hindu gods. Uh, and Vishnu is the divine power which preserves and maintains the universe. Talk mm. about your superhero, quote-unquote. Wow. Um, again, like yeah. I said, we have yoga already, and now we're getting we're getting Antichrist typology. We're getting Hinduism. There is no end to the bag of tricks that Satan has um, thrown our way in these last days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a great point because uh, Cameron, who directed that movie, we know he's no friend of Jesus, you know. Yeah. He tried to find that the, he tried to find Jesus' body to say the resurrection never happened. That became his quest. So it, it makes sense that he would make a movie that's promoting mm-hmm. Eastern mysticism, Hinduism, and so forth. And in that movie, uh, Ewa, who Ewa, who is uh, uh, the All Mother Goddess, you know, uh, she's described as quote having a network of energy that flows through all living things. So you're spot on. And by the way, this is. Gaia, the, the the religion of pantheism of of a lot of the people that are behind making you know climate change the main thing that we address in the world and basically using it. It's a lot of them are religious. In fact, Al Gore and Earth in the Balance, you know, uh, uh, his book that came out and I think it was the ninety early nineties. He said this pan religious perspective may prove especially important where our global civilization and responsibility on Earth is concerned. Native American religions, for instance, offer a rich tapestry of ideas of our own re- of our relationship to the earth. All things are connected, like all things are connected. He says, like the blood that unites us all. So that's that whole thing that we're all spiritually connected. When Jesus said, "You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God," and he spoke very specifically about light and darkness. But it's interesting because uh, you know we did a, a, a an expose that people could check out. It's just an article, but it's called Avatar and the coming uh, one world religion, mm-hmm. because it is, it's tied into, it's a spiritual, in fact, he makes what, I mean, if you look at the Aztecs, the Mayans, you know, and you look at the type of worship, uh, if they would have really expressed true native Indian worship, or even the true paganism of the Far East and Hinduism, they would see, you know, uh, Mel Gibson had a movie <laughs> that was a little bit closer to what a lot of the natives were about, with human sacrifices and everything else but camera doesn't show, show the savage side mm-hmm. of what was going on he shows uh cameron point, points it as being this beautiful spiritual experience which really uh, jumping into the world that broke up just a little bit at the end there joe oh yeah i said it was he's showing he's trying to make it like the, the beautiful he's basically showing as uh in the beautiful side of evil wow. not that there's a beautiful side but it's the it's the coming as angel light deception instead of showing the demonic savagery that was behind so many of the religious systems of, you know, when you look at the uh, the different religions in the past, many of them were involved in even, you know, human sacrifice, you know. Wow. And like I'm just saying, when you see the Mayan priests in Apocalypto yep. by Mel Gibson mm-hmm. uh, doing their sacrifices, that was real stuff. That was closer to what was really going on. Mm. Wow. Amen. Hey, so Joe, we've you've done so much work over the years establishing the uh, movies and television, comic books. These franchises are, con- including the Harry Potter brand, by the way, on witchcraft, they continue to indoctrinate uh, satanic lies to millions of young people, writers. Now you're working on part three of DC and Marvel's War on God. The writers have admitted they're using seduction, manipulation, the occult. So there is a, on your website, it says 20% off all orders until December 31st. 
and you can use the promotion code CHRISTMAS. So thank you for giving people a pretty big discount, 20%, if you want to go to goodfight.org. But I want to ask you to talk to young parents because people can hear all this, and if they haven't been researching or paying attention through the years, they've just been taking in this, quote, entertainment and they're a little overwhelmed, some in our audience. So share your heart to Christian moms and dads that still have kids that are taking in this this entertainment. Yeah, what I would say is, you know, we need to be as as Christian parents. Now I'm a grandparent as well, so is we need to be ever, you know, vigilant and and diligent uh, because when it says to put on the whole armor of God, you know. Uh, you know, the whole armor of God, you know, and we're not to be ignorant of the wiles of the evil one, the scriptures say, and, and we're supposed to put the armor on why, so we can stand fast in the day of evil. And that's, that's he's, saying, he's sounding the alarm, that we're not practicing for war, we are in a spiritual war, Amen. and that we need to guard the hearts of our, our, not only our own hearts and minds, but hearts and minds of our, our loved ones, our children, and so forth. And it's important to be aware, and I'll just mention, and maybe this will just whet the appetite, too, of your audience for the next time we do something when the actual third third one comes out, but I'll whet their appetite for a little bit of what what's coming, but what we've done in the past, because we've covered so much ground. I'm so glad we covered the ground that we did, but maybe we could do another show uh, just before the third one comes out. We would love that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do, you have a, would, do you have a date, Joe, a pr- projected date? You know, uh, we're trying to get it done <laughs> before the year ends. So <laughs> I, I'm very, very bad at giving dates. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, well, I'm glad you don't set dates for Jesus' return, too. So, uh, Amen. Would never, ever do that. I would be off, for sure. Well, uh, Mary and I are just so blessed. Uh, but go ahead and, and share your final thought. Oh, yeah. I would just say there is such the dark underbelly of what's going on in the comic world. I just mentioned a couple things briefly that will tie into the writers, so cover a little bit of it, is we show in part one of our – so we've got two parts done, and they're both – pretty fresh because they both came out within the last six months is we show Iron Man, we show Robert Downey Jr., the top actor in the last 15 years, uh, who plays the central role as the main character in the cinematic universe, Iron Man. He's not the center of the, the Avengers in the comics, but he sure made it the center of the Marvel universe in the cinematic universe. We show in his interviews, and nobody was exposing this. We, I was blown away when I found it that, and we show from, you know, top magazines, Rolling Stone and others, that uh, he was practicing uh, magic to get that role. And he mm. said, he, he said if a Lester Crowley has a little brother, had a little brother, I would be the blank. And he said, I used, mm. he used a sunstone wand. He put a big picture. He put a picture of Iron Man up. And wow. what happens when they're doing that kind of magic? They're invoking spirits. Yep. Because uh, if he's, he's mentioned Crowley, if Crowley had a little brother, well, that's what Crowley did mm. yep. with power to get the part. Well, just recently, and by the way, uh, you know, Ezra Biller, there's a new Flash movie coming out, and it's going to be out in June. They spent a couple hundred million dollars or so on it. Wow. And Ezra Miller, uh, who has his own little sex cult going on, practices uh, apparently sex magic, he uh, came out of Vanity Fair just about a month and a half ago or so, maybe a month ago, uh, that, you know, there's a number, there's a couple different gals where their parents had to get these restraining orders against him okay joe we've got to wrap it up we're going to have to continue this interview before uh the next uh, part three comes out but tomorrow actually thursday bill perkins compass international a new steel on steel book god bless you keep speaking the truth about things that matter